you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, We're going to read verses 1 through 6, but today we're focusing just on verse 6. So, Matthew 7, verses 1 to 6. Listen, this is God's Word. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is God's word. You know, there's times where we read the Bible and you might think, man, I have no idea what this is talking about. Um, And then there's times like this, where you read a verse like verse 6 and you're just undone. I gotta confess that I've had this horrible addiction that's been exposed by this verse. I never meant for it to get this bad, but there I was years ago I was with some friends. It was late. And they were doing it. So I thought, well, maybe if I just do it once. And so I did. But once wasn't enough. I had to do it again. And again. And again. And again. And again, and now I'm just enslaved. I just I have done this every day for the last 15 years of my life, and I'm trapped. Does anybody know what Jesus is talking about here? Does anybody struggle like I do with throwing your pearls before pigs? Do any of you have a little shrine at home with a pig, and you spend time every day because you just can't help yourself? Nobody else? I'm the only one. (laughs) What is Jesus talking about here? Like, what is he actually saying, right? Have you ever thought about this? Like, huh? Jesus, like, okay, there's times where you hit us right between the eyes, and there's times where we just have no idea where you are. (laughs) We have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, this is clearly a metaphor. This is clearly a metaphor. Jesus isn't talking literally. What I just said, I made up. Although I know that it is not far from some of our experiences with certain things in life. This is how addictions are. And so if God was speaking to you while I was acting this out, then Jesus wants you to know that you can be free, no matter what it is. We're not going to talk about addictions so much today, but if God was speaking to you during those moments, then you need to know that Jesus wants to set you free. And you're in a place where you can experience God's power for freedom. But this is a metaphor. Um, I hope that over the last few weeks, as we've been looking at verse 6 but not talking about it, you've been wondering, like, well, how does this fit in to this section of verses? Um, Pigs and pearls, how do they relate to the rest of this passage? Hopefully you're convinced that this does relate somehow, um, because this is how Jesus is. 
Like he doesn't just throw truth out willy-nilly. It's all well-organized. It's all well-crafted. And so let's just talk through the image and see what we can see. Um, in that day, in Jesus' day, pearls were one of the most valuable commodities around. Okay? They were actually worth three times as much as pure gold. Okay, so we're talking about something incredibly valuable. And, I mean, just at the surface level, you wouldn't take something so valuable and throw it to a pig, would you? Like, you wouldn't do that. Right? The pig, it would be stupid, and it would also be irretrievable, because for Jews at that time, pigs were unclean. So you couldn't touch them. And so not only would it, you know, possibly go and get trampled, but you're not going to get it back, because you can't go near the pig. Okay? So... What about dogs? What about dogs? Well, dogs in Jesus' day, these weren't pets. They weren't even domesticated. Dogs in Jesus' day were wild, rabid scavengers. Okay, they were actually in some ways used to, let's just say, clean up the organic material that would be deposited in the city dump. And they were very aggressive. Very aggressive. And so in verse 6, when Jesus says, don't give dogs what is holy... That refers really to, it refers to a steak from an animal that's been sacrificed to God. Okay? And so Jesus is saying here, you wouldn't take a filet mignon, right, that's been offered to God, where God is giving you this steak and saying, I want you to eat a meal with me. You wouldn't take that steak and throw it to a dog, would you? Of course not. Of course not. I mean, if you approach a rabid dog, even if you have a steak, the dog might not bite the steak, it might bite you instead. And so this is the imagery that Jesus uses. He's saying, you don't take what's valuable and holy and throw it to animals that can't value them. You don't share it with animals that might turn and attack you for it. Okay, so this is the sense of what Jesus is saying. So, but again, it still leaves the question, like, what is Jesus talking about here? Like, what does this mean? And I think if we look a little bit later in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 13, we get a clue. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so Jesus, in this passage, uses the pearl and he compares it to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven, this is where God lives and reigns, where everything is perfect. Jesus is talking about, what he's saying here, he's saying saying, to know God is the most precious treasure in all of life. To know God, there is nothing more precious than to know God. And if you found it, you would give up everything for it, for the chance to know God, because he is worth everything that you have what he's saying here. And so, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is training his disciples, right? He's teaching his disciples what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And what that, he's talking about what it means to know God, how to experience God in your life, how to understand and live in God's blessings. And when you follow Jesus, you begin to experience God's blessings in a profound way. What happens is that the love of God begins to fill your heart and your life. The God who made all things loves you. The God who's in control, the God who is more important than anything else, sets his love on you when you begin to follow Jesus. 
There is nothing more important than that. And not only is love, but God's power enters your life. And Jesus begins to renew you from the inside out. This is what it means to be part of God's kingdom. And so the pearl from Matthew 7, the, the, what is holy, it's Jesus' teachings on what it means to know God. What is holy in the pearl, this is Jesus' teachings on what it means to know God. It's, it's the life-giving message that God is active in the world. Okay, friends, God came to earth because he wants to fix what's wrong with life. Okay? There are people who think that God created the world and just sort of let it, just let it go. Just let it go, and however we do, if we do well, it's great. If we do bad, it's not good. And, and, he's just, and God has nothing left to do. But that's not the message of the Bible. The, the, the pearl, what is holy, the teaching of Jesus, is that God cares so much about what's broken in your life that he came in Jesus to fix it. In Jesus, God has unleashed a love and a power that will bring renewal into every area of your life. And so God is active in the world. He came to infuse the world with love and forgiveness because that's what we need. We need forgiveness. We all live apart from God, consistently or intermittently, and we need his forgiveness to bring us back. We need him to meet our deepest needs. His affirmation, his approval, his love, his courage, his power, his patience, his self-control. Like, we need these things from him because this is what brings renewal. This is what brings wholeness into our lives and our hearts. And so Jesus came into the world, right? He came into the world, 1 Timothy 1.15 says, he came into the world to save sinners. Jesus lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross to suffer punishment for sin and to defeat the power that sin has over you in your life. Jesus is stronger. In his resurrection, he defeated sin to set us free. He rose from the dead to make us sure that he is the world's true Lord and that he will bring about the renewal and the perfection of all things. This is the message of the Bible. This is a glorious message. This is a message where if you get it, you would give up anything to have it. This is a message that everyone needs to hear. Well, actually, not everyone. Not everyone, right? Because Jesus says in verse 6, don't share this message with the pigs and the dogs. It's interesting, isn't it? Don't give dogs what is holy or throw your pearls before pigs. These are folks who don't get this pearl. Isn't that interesting? There are people whom Jesus says you should not share the good news with them. Who are they? Who are they? Well, Matthew teaches us that these are people who oppose Jesus' message. 
These are people who oppose Jesus' message. If you have read Matthew up into this point, you'll remember that there are people, there's been significant opposition in the life of Jesus. Do you remember when he was born? In Matthew chapter 2, when he's born, the wise men show up, you know, Christmas time, and they go to Herod the king, who was the king of Israel at the time, and they say, hey, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? Herod doesn't like that. Because if someone's born king of the Jews, that means he's going to be unseated. And so Herod, the king of Israel, he tried to kill Jesus when he was born. He opposed what God was doing. God was bringing salvation. God was bringing perfection into the world. God was bringing the power of healing and restoration. And Herod wanted to kill it. Herod was opposed to it. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, we see in chapters 5 and 6 of Matthew, Jesus mentions the hypocritical religious leaders. He says that they talk a good talk, but they actually don't, they don't have a real relationship with God. They're in opposition to Jesus' message. And so what we have here is, in Jesus' mind, as he's training the disciples, because he's about to send them out, right? And he's equipping them so they can go out and be his ambassadors. They can be sent ones, apostles, heralds of the, of the message of the kingdom. Jesus is telling them that the religious and the political leaders, they're opposed to Jesus. Because when Jesus calls everyone to know God, he's exposing and confronting the current leaders who don't know God, who were awful leaders, who were abusers of power, who were manipulators. And it's interesting because we actually see an example of this in Matthew chapter 12. Ooh, did I get rid of that? That one's gone. Let's, um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 12. Let me read it to you. It's verses 14 to 16. Listen to this. Jesus has just healed someone. Okay, Someone had a withered hand. His hand was, um, was withered, and Jesus touched him, healed him. Right, so he's healed. Everyone's excited. And it says this in Matthew 12, verse 14. It says, but the Pharisees... They're the religious leaders. The Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So the religious leaders were in such opposition to Jesus. They didn't just argue with him, but they actually began to plot and devise a scheme on how to destroy Jesus. And so it says in verse 15, Jesus aware of this. So Jesus is aware that the Pharisees are against him. They're in opposition and so Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. He left that area. He left that area. It says he withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. Now, there's a lot more to, there's a bunch of places in Matthew where Jesus tells people, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. We're not going to actually get into why he does that. Um, if you want to know, you can come up and ask me afterwards. Um, we'll look at that at some point in the future. But, uh, but the point here is that Jesus is aware of their opposition and he withdrew. He's not going to throw his pearls to pigs. He is not going to give people who oppose his message 
the opportunity to trample it underfoot, to turn and attack. And so it's interesting that Jesus does this. There's another really good example of Jesus not throwing pearls before swine. And this is in Matthew 21, verses 23 to 27. So, and when he, this is Jesus, when he entered into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching. And they said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Okay, so I could imagine someone coming to Jesus who saw what he was doing, was intrigued and interested in what he was doing, and said, Jesus, help me understand, like, where have you come from? Right? But these are the chief priests and the elders. Okay, these are people who have been dogging Jesus for three years. Okay, they have demonstrated, they're they're trying to kill him. There is actually a plot to try to kill Jesus. And so here's how Jesus responds. Jesus answered them, I will also ask you one question. So, hey, before I answer, let me ask you a question, right? And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come? From heaven or from man? So Jesus, being put to the test, is giving a test to these religious leaders. He's trying to find out if they, like, why are they asking this question? Right? And their response is going to indicate Jesus' response. So they huddle up. All right, we'll get back to you. Hold on. So they all gather around and they're having this little huddle while Jesus is off to the side and everybody's watching. They discuss it among themselves, saying, Guys, we're in trouble. Because if we say from heaven, you know, where did John's message, where did John's baptism, if, if we say from heaven, Jesus is going to say, Well, then why didn't you believe him? Because we oppose John the Baptist also. So we can't say it was from heaven. But if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd because they all hold that John was a prophet. Right? So they're stuck. They're afraid that the people actually might stone them, it says in one of the other Gospels, because they all knew John the Baptist was a prophet. And if they deny and say that John made it all up, then they're going to be in trouble from the people. And so they said, uh... Uh, we don't know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So what's happening here? These people come with a question for Jesus. And Jesus basically says, well, are you a dog or a pig? Or are you something else? And they say, We're a dog and a pig. Our plan is to trap Jesus. Jesus knows that. And Jesus is not going to throw the pearls of truth to us so that we can either trample the truth, making fun of it, or so that we can turn on Jesus and have him executed. Does that make sense? So this is Jesus putting his own teaching into practice. And I think when we see it in this light, then it gives us clues on how to apply it today. So what is Jesus saying? I think here's the bottom line. If you want to write something down, here it is. 
Jesus is saying, don't give the truth to people who will abuse it or you. Don't give the truth to people who will abuse it or you. So Jesus, back in Matthew 7, Jesus is training his disciples, remember? He is giving them the truths of the kingdom of heaven. They have been invited in, and Jesus is training them so that they can experience the kingdom of heaven and then spread it. And so Jesus says, look, we have a mission. We have a mission. Don't help the people who oppose us. Okay, that's what he's saying here. Don't help the people who oppose us. We've got a job to do. We have a mission to accomplish. There are people who are going to oppose us. Don't help them oppose us. Don't give them truth that they can use to destroy us and oppose our mission. I think another way to say it in our modern language to say it today, and it also, I think, gives us a little bit wider sense of application, is don't be an enabler. Don't be an enabler. Jesus would call you not to enable people to sin. So if someone is going to sin against you, you don't have to let them. Someone's going to sin against you. You don't have to let them. And so it's interesting because this is actually the opposite of the warnings we've seen already in this passage. And if you see them next to each other, it's, it's pretty interesting. So this is what we've seen the last couple weeks. How to use your influence. Well, first, don't judge as though you're God. Right? We saw that a few weeks ago. Last week, don't be a hypocrite. Right? So you don't want to judge as though you're God. The key to not doing that is to understand other people. Don't judge their motives. Don't act like God, like you can read their hearts. Um, second, don't be a hypocrite. And the key to not being a hypocrite is just to identify with people. Recognize that you're not so different. Get to a place where you can understand them so that you can identify with them. Well, now what Jesus is saying here is don't be an enabler. This is verse 6. And when you see it like this, I think it's, it's actually kind of exciting because... These two warnings are saying, look, it's wrong for you to dominate others. It's wrong for you to dominate others. That's kind of what you do when you judge someone as though you're God. When you judge somebody, you're like dominating them. When you're a hypocrite and you're applying a double standard to someone, you're trying to control them and you're dominating them. Well, Jesus is saying it's also wrong to let other people dominate you. Don't dominate others. Don't let other people dominate you. You don't have to let them do this. So as you seek to influence other people, you don't have to let people walk all over you. I think the, um, the most egregious case of this, you know, we're talking about um, that I feel like this applies to is in the case of being abused. If you're being physically abused, verbally abused, emotionally abused, 
Jesus says you don't have to stay in that situation. You don't have to stay in that situation. If someone is, if you're in a relationship with someone and they have crossed over boundaries of appropriate behavior, you don't have to stay in that situation. To stay in that situation is to throw the pearls of your relationship to a pig who doesn't deserve it. To a dog who doesn't deserve the right to abuse you again. Are you with me? I mean, we could say it a different way. And we could say that to enable someone to sin is actually to tempt them to sin. If you stay in that situation and your presence is the catalyst that incites the anger, that incites the beating, that incites the verbal abuse, then for you to be there is a temptation for them to sin against you. God does not want you to tempt other people to sin. If you're in a situation like that, get out. Get help. Come talk to me. Come talk to one of our elders. If you need help, um, but you don't have to stay in that situation. To do that is to enable people. It's, It's throwing your pearls before pigs. It's giving to dogs what is holy. I think another way to think about this is that it, um, this also confronts a form of manipulation and control. You know, we talked about how judging sometimes is, a, is designed to control other people. We judge them, we paint them in the worst possible light, we make them feel guilty or we shame them. Right? With, you know, we use bad things, judgment, hypocrisy, to control other people. Well, I think also there are times when this kind of enabling is also a form of control. Because pearls is a good thing. Like a pearl is a good thing. Um, And how often have you um, maybe given something to someone else, like a good thing to someone, in hopes that this will be what keeps them on your side? Right? In hopes that if you can just engender enough good grace in them that they will treat you in a certain way. Do you know what I'm saying? Jesus says, don't do that. It's not going to go well. It never does. Because whether it escalates to the point of abuse or if it's simply that you're actually just under their thumb and they know it, you're in a really unhealthy situation. You're in an unhealthy relationship. You're tempting them to sin against you repeatedly. Um, I think there's an application here um, as well, even with parents and their kids, especially when it comes to um, religious training, you know, teaching your kids Christianity. You know, there are times when parents will take God's good word and use it as a, a method to try to manipulate or shame their children. Um, there are times maybe you've experienced where you felt like someone has been using God's word to kind of like shame you into a particular kind of behavior. 
And, uh, and I guess there's, there's a fine line here, right? Because God's word does convict us of our sins. God's word does confront us. It does point out the areas where we're not right. And it calls us to obedience. But there are times when parents sort of overstep and take the good word of God and turn it into something that ends up being more about manipulation and trying to get a certain outcome out of their kids rather than being part of what can help children to know God. Because all authority that's been given by God is designed to help people to really understand his authority. It's designed to usher people into a relationship with him. And so we just need to be careful. Like, we don't force it. Jesus' words tell us, don't force it. Don't push. Right? You don't need to do that. Um, either with people who are in opposition or people who just don't, they're not asking for it. You want to be sensitive to that. I think it's interesting because this shows us, I think, a, a different side of Jesus. Um, Jesus is full of grace. Jesus is full of understanding and forgiveness. But in this verse, it's really clear that there is a point where Jesus says there are some who are not worthy. There's some who are not worthy. And it's not because of their race. It's not because of their, cult, their color. It's not because of their orientation. It's because of how they respond to Jesus. It's how they respond to Jesus' message. Um, So the Bible says that God opposes the proud. Jesus invites everyone, everyone to receive him. But if they're going to oppose him, Jesus will remove himself. Okay? It's interesting because I think in this, the key to not being an enabler is to require. Is to require. Well, what do we require? I think in Jesus, what he's saying here is he's requiring a desire in the person, a change of heart, some demonstration that there's an interest or a willingness to listen, right? And so Jesus is saying, look for something. I mean, this is the dialogue, right, from Matthew 21. Jesus asks the question, well, what was the question he asked? About John the Baptist and his, and his message, right, his baptism. Jesus was giving them an opportunity He was giving them an opportunity to come clean, to say that they're actually interested. And if they had said John the Baptist came from God, they would have demonstrated that there was a willingness to listen. Does that make sense? They were going to use the truth that they were asking Jesus for, for good things. And so, this doesn't mean that you require something of every person in your life, okay? We're talking about people who are hostile to Jesus, people who are opposed to the message. Okay, sometimes you don't know that they're opposed or hostile until after you've shared something with them. And then you find out, okay, I need to back up. (laughs) I need to back up, and and this is not the track to take. But what Jesus is saying here is that if you abuse the message of Jesus or you oppose Jesus' mission, there is a judgment that comes. There is a judgment that comes, and that judgment comes in the form of absence of absence. God will remove his presence more and more from your life. 
So if you reject God, if you oppose God, God will end up giving you what you want. Does that make sense? If you say, God, I don't want you, God, I reject you, God, I oppose you, God will say, there's a point where God will say, okay, okay. Now, we're not talking about ignorance here. Okay, we're not talking about people who don't know the mission of Jesus, who don't understand, right, ignorance. I mean, Jesus even said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, right? And this isn't vindictive, okay? I want you to understand that too. Like when you think about, because what we're talking about here is it's the heart of Jesus, right? It's the heart of God. And when God separates himself, he's not being vindictive. He's not being vindictive. What he's doing here is he's trying to keep you from being hardened in your sin. Okay? Because if you trample the message of Jesus, if you oppose Jesus once, right? That's significant. If you oppose Jesus ten times, you become hardened in your opposition. If you oppose Jesus fifty times, you become more and more hardened in your opposition. And so when God removes himself, when Jesus says, don't, you need to stop, don't force it, don't push, what Jesus is saying is you don't want this person to get hardened in their opposition to me. And so what do you do then? Do you write these people off? You say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you anymore? No. No, because what did Jesus do with the people who opposed him? Jesus went on his way and he loved the world by dying for it. And so you don't write these people off. No, you keep loving the people in your life who are hostile. You continue to show them even if you stop telling them the message of Jesus. Does that make sense? You keep showing them with your love, with your desire to serve them, with your care for who they are. You show them that even if they oppose Jesus, here's at least one follower who's going to continue to care for them. Okay, you may not give them opportunities to mock Jesus or to oppose him, but you can continue to love them and show them that as far as today is concerned, God's face to the world is one of love. Every single day is a gift of love from God, giving us another opportunity to know him, giving us another opportunity to see his goodness in our lives. And so when you have to stop telling people about the love of Jesus, show them. Show them and then pray. And pray. Because the good news is that anyone at any time can come back to God. Today, if you hear God calling you back, then guess what? You're not a dog or a pig. If you hear God calling you back to himself, if you have opposed Jesus in your life, if you're here, you're not a Christian, maybe you were a Christian, you left the church because of whatever reason, um, but you hear God saying, it's time to come back, then you can come back. You don't have to trample this message again. Right? You don't have to turn and attack again. You can receive this love. 
you can receive this love from God because he sent his son. Even as we continue to reject him, knowing that we would sin, God offered his son as a sacrifice for our sins to pay the price that our sins deserve so that we could be forgiven. And if you will admit to God that you're a sinner, if you'll confess your sins, he will forgive you. He will forgive you and he'll welcome you back. And for those of you who are Christians, is there an area of your life where you are rejecting God's truth? Is there an area, is there a relationship, is there a habit, is there a situation where you know what God wants you to do, you know the truth, and yet that truth gets trampled again and again and again in your life? If that's the case, Jesus is saying the same thing to you. You, just, you need to come clean. Confess your sins. Confess your sins. Because Jesus doesn't want to enable you to continue in your sin. He wants to call you out of your sin to set you free. And he does that by the power of his death and his resurrection. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for taking this pretty enigmatic, mysterious passage and bringing it home to our hearts. I pray, Lord, that for everyone here, both the Christians and the folks who aren't Christians, that you would show us the areas of our lives that you want to speak to, that you want us to admit and confess not because you're going to trample us underfoot, but because you were trampled. Not because you're going to turn and attack us, but because you were attacked on the cross. Lord, help us to realize that it's safe to come to you. That though we may have been hurt and burned by so much in the past, though even the church in different ways may have hurt and burned us, that you are a loving shepherd of your sheep, that you're a caring leader who has taken our punishment, taken the abuse that we deserve. Set people free today, Jesus, for your sake, and so that we might be healed. Amen.